wonderful, wonderful singing this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke 24 as you do so this morning as we begin our journey uh, through a new year and serving the Lord together as he tarries his coming uh, through two, uh, 2024. Uh, we're talking about victory, uh, victory in Jesus. Most of us understand and would realize that victory is something that does not happen accidentally. Victory is not something that is just happenstance. Victory happens because of many things that come into play. Before we talk about one area of victory that we're going to examine this morning, uh, I want to share a story about a lady uh, with an amazing, amazing story, an amazing past. Her name is Wilma Rudolph. In 1960, Wilma Rudolph became the first American woman to win three gold medals in track and field at a single Olympics game. Three gold medals in 1960. Now, there are many athletes, there are many uh, people who excel at high levels. But what is unique about Wilma Rudolph is that she had to overcome some serious obstacles uh, to find that victory. So who was she? Wilma Rudolph was a sickly child who had to wear braces on her uh, left leg as a child. Now hold on, we're talking about a woman who would go on to win three gold medals in track and field for running. But as a child, she had to wear a brace on her left leg. She overcame her disabilities to compete in the 1956 Summer Olympics. And in 1960, she became the first American woman to win three gold medals in track and field at a single Olympics. Later in life, uh, she would form the Wilma Rudolph Foundation to, pro to promote amateur athletics, a lady who was a, uh, had learned what it took to get to victory. Rudolph was born prematurely on June 23, 1940 in Bethlehem, Tennessee. And I want you to listen to this statistic. She was born the 20th of 22 children born to her dad, Ed, across his two marriages. As you can imagine, there was not much time for her. She went on to become a pioneering African-American track and field champion. But that road to victory was not an easy road. That road to victory was not a short road. It was not easy for her. She was stricken with double pneumonia, scarlet fever, and polio as a child. The same woman you see on the screen with three gold medals from 1960. She went on to victory. She had problems with her left leg and had to wear a brace. It was with great determination and the help of physical therapy that she was able to overcome those disabilities. Let me read a quote from her. She, she would say these words. My doctors told me I would never walk again. My mother told me I would. I believe my mother. I believe my mother. Growing up in the segregated South, of course, as you can imagine, in the United States in that time period, she attended an all-black high school. She played on the basketball team. Naturally a gifted runner as she overcame her physical difficulties. She was recruited to train with the Tennessee State University 
track coach Ed Temple. Her nickname was Skeeter for her famous speed. Rudolph qualified for the 1956 Summer Olympic Games in Melbourne, Australia. The youngest member in 1956 of the U.S. track and field team. She was 16 years old in 1956. She won a bronze medal in the 400-meter relay. After finishing high school, Rudolph entered the Tennessee State University where she studied education. She also trained hard for the next Olympics in 1960. It was held in Rome, Italy. The Olympic Games were a golden time for Rudolph. After tying a world record with her time of 11.3 seconds in the 100-meter semifinals, she won the event with her wind-aided mark of 11.0 seconds in the final. Similarly, Rudolph broke the Olympic record in the 200-meter dash, 23.2 seconds in the heats before claiming another gold medal with her time of 24 seconds. She was also part of the U.S. team that established a world record in the 400-meter relay, 44.4 seconds, before going on to win gold with a time of 44.5. As a result, Rudolph became the first American woman, as I mentioned, to win three gold medals at a single games. She was a first-class sprinter, instantly becoming one of the most popular athletes of the Rome Games, as well as an international superstar. She was lauded around the world for her groundbreaking achievements and her victories over the struggles of life. She's remembered today as one of the fastest women in the history of track and field. She's been a great inspiration. She once made this statement. Winning is great, sure. But if you're really going to do something in life, the secret is learning how to lose. Nobody goes undefeated all the time. If you can pick up after a crushing defeat and go on to win, you're going to be a champion someday. I love the statement she made about her mother. She said, the doctors told me I would never walk. My mother told me I would. I believe my mother. This morning, I want to talk to you about victory. We're going to talk in the next several months throughout the year about victory in Jesus. The world says you can't have victory. Your flesh says you can't have victory. Your family may say you can't have victory. By the way, your past may play out and say you can never be victorious. You're always going to struggle. But God says, God says we're more than conquerors. Amen. This morning, I want you to listen to God, Amen. not to the world. I want us to listen to Christ, not to our flesh. I want us to listen to the book, the Word of God. This morning, would you look there with me in Luke chapter 24? As we talk this morning about victory, we're going to talk today, our theme this morning, victory over fear. <coughs> victory over fear. Luke chapter 24, I want you to look with me at our text here. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Notice verse 5. 
And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returning from the sepulcher and told these things unto the eleven and unto the rest. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be reminded that we are more than conquerors, that we have victory in Jesus Christ. Lord, there are many voices that cry out to us. There are many voices that cause us to doubt. And Lord, there are many voices that cause us to fear. Lord, I pray this morning we would listen to your voice. I pray that we would believe your word. And I pray you'd help us as we learn this morning how we can have victory over fear in our life as believers. Lord, would you help us? In your precious name we pray. Amen. We gather today on Sunday. Today is not the Sabbath. Today is the Lord's Day. Today is Sunday. Today is called the Lord's Day because it was the day that we see reminded here in Luke 24 that these ladies would go to the tomb and find the tomb empty. The day that our Lord would raise from the tomb, every Lord's Day we gather for 2,000 years Local bodies of believers have gathered together to commemorate the fact that there was an empty tomb. And we know now, we're excited now about that empty tomb and how wonderful that is and how tremendous the teaching and preaching of the empty tomb. But can I tell you that these that we read about here in Luke 24 were fearful. They were fearful. Why were they fearful? Number one, they were fearful because of unplanned circumstances. Unplanned circumstances. This morning we gave out our calendar of major events for the year. Our plans. Some of you maybe the last couple of weeks have, have written out or maybe you've put it in your phone or your tablet. You've, you've planned out your schedule for the year. Maybe you've gone to your boss and said, hey, I'm going to take a vacation here. I'm going to go here. We're going to do this. Our family's going to plan this. We plan things in our life. But sometimes our circumstances are unplanned. Can I tell you that these ladies and these men that follow the Lord Jesus Christ their plan was not for Jesus to hang on the cross of Calvary. Their plan was not to go and visit a tomb. They didn't know it was empty yet. They weren't planning on going that slow walk to that garden tomb where their Lord was laying a dead body of Christ. That wasn't their plan. That was unplanned. Unplanned. We see the fear of the women here. When the women arrived at the tomb, their hearts were filled with fear. Christian, if we're honest with ourselves and honest with God, we'd see ourselves here. Sometimes we're fearful. We're fearful because of the things that we didn't plan on. We're fearful of the circumstances of life, maybe the health issues. 
maybe the financial struggles, maybe the difficulties we're facing. The angels told those women, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spake unto you and he's yet in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Can I tell you what relieved the fears of those women and what can relieve our fears and give us victory is the word of God. God's word is that comfortable place that we can rest and we can settle into. Jesus said in the gospel of John, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. From my Father's house are many mansions, for not so. I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. He said, listen to my word. My words give you comfort. We see the fears of the women here as the angels gave them the words of Christ. Psalm 119 says, Thy testimonies are my delight, my counselors. How wonderful. Not only the fear of the women, but I want you to notice as well the fear of the disciples. We're talking about the men that walked with Jesus. The men that saw Jesus cast out the demons. The men that watched Jesus as he said uh, to that woman who was dead, arise and she arose. The same men that walked and talked and lived with Jesus Christ, the same men that saw him step out on the edge of the boat and say, peace be still. And even the winds and the seas obeyed him. The men that would say as Peter would say, Lord, I'll go with you all the way. Lord, I... I'll go anywhere with you. I'll, I'll follow you wherever. And yet, those men, because of unplanned circumstances, had great fear. Had great fear. Fear was not just something that gripped the women that came to the tomb in Luke 24. But those big, rough fishermen those men that lived in the heat of the day by the sweat of their brow and labored and lived a hard life were fearful. By the way, not one of you is immune to fear. Not one. But we can all have victory over fear. Those men were fearful because they weren't planning on that. Can I tell you there are many ways these men, these disciples, could have responded to Jesus being taken that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. They could have said as Jesus was tied and led away, they could have said, Jesus, we're going to call prayer meeting. We're going to be praying. They could have gone and gathered the believers and followers of Christ and got together and prayed. They didn't do that. They reacted with fear. Can I tell you that often we react with fear when we could react with faith. But these men were fearful. Even after the resurrection, they were still gripped with fear. When the disciples realized who Jesus was and what he wanted to do for them, that fear was relieved. 
dear friend, unplanned circumstances in your life in 2024 may bring fear. But I want you to know this morning, you and I can have victory over fear. We can have victory over fear. Not only the fear of unplanned circumstances, but number two this morning, the fear of unmet expectations. The fear of unmet expectations. When I counsel with young couples when they're getting married, got a couple over here that they finally uh, made some progress in their Christian life and your marriage. How many, two years married now, almost? They told me this morning it's the first time they ever went to Starbucks together. Uh, but they, they'll tell you this is true. When I, when I talk with couples and I counsel with them before they're married, one of the things I always deal with is I tell the husband and wife to be, look, there are some things that you're expecting in marriage that are probably not reality. I said, you may look and say, man, my wife is going to cook just like my mom. Now, I'm not going to ask you to answer because you'll get smacked in the face. Uh, but I said, there's a high likelihood that your wife is not going to have the experience of cooking that your mother has. Uh, she's not going to know all the recipes. And, well, somebody's going to lose their life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, please help and protect. There are some expectations in marriage sometimes that aren't realistic. I, I always tell the story when I counsel with young couples when they're getting married. I tell the story about my mom and dad when they got married. And not long after they got married, my dad, every Sunday, would come to my mom's house before they got married and have Sunday dinner. Now, my family did not grow up in the lap of luxury and wealth. Uh, my mom's family, most of the time, the only day that they ate meat sometimes was Sunday. But Sunday, they always had meat. Normally, it was fried chicken. Because uh, chicken was cheap, amen? And every Sunday, my grandmother would make fried chicken. My dad would come over before they were married, and he would have a meal there at my grandmother's home. After they got married, not long after the wedding, my, my dad told my mom, hey, I invited my mom and dad, my grandparents, I invited them over uh, for fried chicken this Sunday so you can cook fried chicken for them. And my mom looked at my dad her new husband, and said, I don't know how to cook fried chicken. My mom didn't know how to cook water. My grandmother was a phenomenal cook, but she never let her daughters cook. She never let them, you know, I'll do this. She didn't know how to cook chicken. She said, I don't know how to cook fried chicken. My mother and father-in-law are coming here for fried chicken. I don't know how to make it. My dad, praise God, he, he should have won husband of the year. Not, not for telling him that, but what he did afterwards. My dad went out. He bought some chicken. He bought the skillet to fry the chicken in. Uh, he learned how to fry chicken. That Sunday, my dad fried the chicken and let his mom and dad think that my mom made the fried chicken. That's why they're still married. But he just thought, she'll know how to make chicken. She'll, every Sunday. A lot of young, young wives, when they get married, they're... They're expecting the financial security that they enjoyed as a daughter. They're expecting their husband. Well, he's going he's gonna to make an income just like my dad. Man, we're going to have a fancy car and live in a fancy house and, and, eat, and eat fancy food. And, and you live in a studio apartment uh, and you drive a Ford Festiva. Uh, and, and you live on... Uh, hot dogs from Costco and, and ramen noodle and you go, man, this is not what I was expecting. 
Every one of us have expectations. And often we have expectations that aren't met. Can I tell you what the expectations were of the disciples? They were expecting Jesus to become the king. By the way, he is the king. But they were expecting his timeline to be a little different than theirs. He was expecting, they were expecting Jesus to stand up and say, I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords and all of the government of the day would bow down and they would say, yeah, finally we got the boot of the Roman uh, government off our neck. Finally, we have the right king and a right government. That wasn't why Jesus came. That was their expectation. That expectation was unmet. It was unmet. What happened because of that unmet expectation? Letter A, we see Peter's denial. Peter followed the Lord afar off and he got there and he was watching and he saw what was happening. And they said to Peter, hey Peter, hey, we know you. You've been with him. I don't know. No, no, I, I have no idea who he is. The Bible says he cursed and he swore and he denied the Lord three times. Why? Fear. Fear. Fear of an expectation that was not met. Christian, can I encourage you by telling you first of all that fear is going to come? This year there are going to be expectations that you have that are not going to be met. You're going to have some plans for the year that just aren't going to happen. Most times we come to the end of the year and we go, man, this year is going to be different. New year, new me, right? And then we get to the end of the next year and go, oh, man, I expected something else. We see Peter's denial. Not only that, we see Thomas's doubt. Thomas was so discouraged by Jesus' death that he wasn't even there with the disciples when Jesus first showed up. And then when he finally saw Jesus, he said, man, I, I won't even believe until I see the wounds in his side, in his hand. I saw him die. He doubted. Why? Fear because of unmet expectations. We see that fear in Thomas's doubt. Jesus, by the way, didn't come and berate Thomas. Jesus didn't come and berate Peter by the seashore. Jesus came to Peter by the seashore and said, Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He gave him three chances to say, yes, Lord, I love you. He came to Thomas and said, Thomas, go ahead. Stick your hand in here. Feel the wounds on my side, in my hand. And what did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. Their fear was done. Jesus did not come to berate them this morning. 
Do not think for a second that the Lord wants to berate you for your fear. Amen. He's not looking whether or not he can accept you or reject you based on how faithful you are. That's right. That's right. I'm accepted based on how faithful he is. Amen. But he wants to come this morning and say, hey, I want to give you a chance to get over your fear. I want to give you victory over those unmet circumstances, un unmet expectations. No matter how discouraged, no matter how fearful we may become, we need to realize that we're loved by God. Our, our theme verse for the year, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. Where's that victory come from? It comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Number three this morning, we see the fear, the fear of an unknown future. The fear of an unknown future. Can I tell you this morning, Christian, there is not one of you this morning that knows the future. Oh, we know some things. We know some things. Death and taxes, right? And snow. We can add that in Canada. Finally, right? But you don't know the future. I talked about the Ben Turner the other day. We spent some time together on the phone in prayer. Brother Ben said, would you pray with me that God would give me wisdom for the future? Brother Ben has cancer. He has neuropathy in his legs, which has not gotten any better. He doesn't know what the future holds for him. And by the way, Christian, neither do you really. And that fear of the unknown, that's why most folks are scared, of, scared to die, because death is the unknown, the great unknown. The disciples didn't know what to expect. They'd given up their plans. They'd given up their professions. They'd given it all up to follow Jesus, and now Jesus is dead. They'd forsaken everything to follow Jesus. Now that he had died, they didn't know what the future held. Like, what do I do now? Where do I go from here? By the way, some of you last year, you came to that point. And you said, where do I go from here? Some of us are going to face that this year. And can I tell you, with that will come fear. The fear of the unknown. But Jesus came. And he said, why are you troubled? In verse 38 of our text, if you look there with me, I want you to see it. And he said to them, why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? The fear of the unknown, Jesus said, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Jesus prophesied the future. Letter A this morning. Jesus prophesied the future. Because Jesus was God, he knew what was going to happen. He knew the end from the beginning, the beginning from the ending. He knows all things. He is the creator. Before his death, he said, hey, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. They failed to understand his words. He prophesied his death and the resurrection. By the way, he prophesied that before his death and before his resurrection. 
And yet Jesus prophesied the future. Our future is unknown, but can I tell you, I may not know my future, but God does. God does. He's been there already. He's already been there. I, I can trust him. Jesus prophesied the future, his death and his resurrection. He said in Matthew 26, and uh, saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again. Hold on, he's not dead yet. After I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Everything that happened to Jesus, his betrayal, his arrest, his beating, his crucifixion, Everything was according to the plan of God. Amen. Everything. Everything. Nothing happened in those days that took God by surprise. That's right. Jesus never went, oh, I wasn't expecting this. He knew exactly. He knew exactly. He prophesied his death and resurrection, but he prophesied the future also by prophesying his second coming. His second coming. Just as surely as Jesus foretold his death and resurrection, he gave words of comfort returning his second coming. I quoted it for you a while ago, but the Bible says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house, so many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am there, you may be also prophesied he's coming again. He's coming again. When's he coming? I don't know, but I know he's coming. I don't know the date or the hour. And by the way, neither does that uh, internet preacher that you're listening to messages of. Neither does that guy that wrote that book. Oh, Pastor, I read this book, and this is when Jesus is coming back. He doesn't know either. But he's coming. I guarantee he's coming. By the way, the disciples were expecting his coming in their lifetime. When Paul preached the gospel... Paul was expecting Jesus could come anytime. He's coming again. The one who overcame death and rose again, he lives and one day he's coming again. I said Jesus prophesied the future. Uh, letter B, he prophesied heaven for all who believe. Jesus prophesied heaven for all who believe. Luke 24, and he saith unto them, verse 46 and 47, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus here in our text not only tells us about our future in this life, he tells us about our future in the life to come. This isn't it. Just so you know, this is not what it's all about. Most of you know that silly song, uh, the hokey pokey. How many of you know that song? Hokey. You put your right, and I'm not going to dance. How many of you are glad Pastor Rice is Amen. Uh, but in that silly song, it's the hokey pokey is what it's all about. I, I hope that's not what it's all about. I know it's not what it's all about. And by the way, this world is not what it's all about. There is an eternity. There is an eternity. And Jesus' predictions of the future, although the future is unknown for us, he speaks about a future of certainty. 
if we know him, of being with him. He prophesied heaven for all who believe. Why? All have sinned. All have sinned. Why did Jesus die? Why didn't he just come and, and, and teach us how to live? Why, why didn't he just come and, and just give us some good things to do and, and say, okay, fellas, this is how you live. Okay, I'm going back to heaven now. You do these good things and I'll see you up there. Can I tell you why? Because you can't do the good things. You and I can't pay for our sin debt. Only Jesus can do that. The reason Jesus died, the reason he suffered, the reason he rose again is because all of us are sinners and all of us have a need of a Savior. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. By the way, it doesn't matter how religious we are. It doesn't matter how good we try to be. It doesn't matter how many times we come to church or how many times we read the Bible uh, or how many times we try to do spiritual things. All have sinned. All have sinned. There's not one person here this morning, not one person watching through a live stream, not one person that will hear these words later on the internet or on a podcast, not one person in all the world who can raise their hand and say, I'm not a sinner. The Bible says all. That includes you and includes me. That includes the preacher and the priest. That includes the religious leaders. All, all have sinned. But wonderfully this morning, can I tell you, not only have all sinned, but all may have remission of sin. The good news is that forgiveness of sin is available to all. By the way, that's to you, to me. Through the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. We accept him and believe on him, all of our doubts and our fears can be erased. Dear friend, this morning, you and I, we can have victory over our fears. Amen. The fears of the unexpected. Oh, they're going to come. They're going to come. But the word of God can give you that comfort. Christ can give us victory. Amen. There's going to be some unmet expectations you're going to face. And they're going to bring some fears. And you're not going to know how to handle it. But you can know that he's in control. You can trust him. You can have victory. And there's a future ahead of us. I don't know what it holds. I know we've made some plans. We shared some of those plans this morning. We're excited about some things in the future. I'm excited about days to share Christ. I'm excited about uh, events with our church family. I'm excited about uh, a grandchild that we have on the way. I'm excited about the future of our church and, and all that we see. But honestly, we don't know the future. But we know the one that does. We can trust him. If you're here this morning, maybe, maybe you would say, Pastor, I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid to come to the end of life. 
I'm afraid of what's going to happen after. Can I tell you that every person in this room, under the sound of my voice, can have your fears in the future of death relieved. There was a man who had given up all hope. A man who was at such a great level of fear in his life that he said, I'm going to take my own life. By the way, that's never the answer. But sometimes that thought gets there. We don't know his name. We know him simply as the Philippian jailer. He was going to take his own life. He was going to end it all because of his fear. And the preacher said, whoa, 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 don't do that. Paul said, don't, don't, don't kill yourself. We're all here. It's going to be all right. And he asked the most important question ever asked. What must I do to be saved? I have no doubt tears are running down his face. He was at his wit's end. We understand this is a man who is just about to take us alive. He's determined there's no hope. said believe believe on the Lord Jesus Christ can I tell you how you can have great comfort how you can replace that fear with faith how you can replace that fear of the unknown with resting on him believe on the Lord Jesus Christ believe on the Lord Jesus Christ we can have victory through Jesus Christ. You can have victory over the fear of death, dear friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Fear is a fact of life. You're not going to remove it. It's going to be there, but we can have victory over fear. When I was 12 years old, I joked with some folks about the fact that when I was 12, I was a Filipino man. Uh, Brother Nash, my cousin, uh, I was about Brother Nash's size when I was uh, 12 years old in grade 7. I was five foot six and 145 pounds. And I wrestled in the 145-pound weight class in grade 7, my last year in public school. That weight class, the 145-pound weight class, any, anybody wrestle, have ever wrestled here before, you'll know that that weight class, is a, that's a heavy weight class for grade 7 students. As a matter of fact, there's very few grade 7 students in that weight class. It's normally grade 9 students. And every person I ever wrestled in every competition were grade 9 students. Uh, one of the guys I wrestled was the state champion in that weight class. And can I tell you that I did not have a tremendous record, but I had a consistent record as a wrestler. Uh, I, I wasn't undefeated. Uh, but all my opponents were that I wrestled. I, I lost every match. <laughs> every match. But I still remember that first match. First match. It was Andrew Jackson High School, Cross Lanes, West Virginia. I can still see the lights in that gymnasium. I can still feel the wind knocked out of me as I lay there. And I watched the referee's hand. And it was over. Literally... We started, the referee started the match, the guy stepped over, threw me in the cowboy, landed on me, pinned me, knocked the wind out of me. I didn't know what happened. 
I can't breathe. I get up off the mat. I walk off the mat, and there's my coach. The coach shook my hand, and he said, Brian, welcome to the cowboy. <laughs> so I spent all week, and for a couple of weeks after that, every practice after practice, I would wrestle with the high school boys. I was almost as big as most of them anyway at grade 7. And I would have them teach me how to get out of the cowboy. I learned every way to conquer the cowboy. Matter of fact, the next match that I went to, I was certain <laughs> I was going to win. I was pretty well determined I was going to be the state champion, maybe the world champion. <laughs> because I had learned how to conquer my enemy, the cowboy. And I went to the next match. I got in the ring, got ready for the match to start. I don't remember which move it was, <laughs> but it was not the cowboy that caused me to be on my back, looking up at the lights in another gymnasium, watching another referee's hand come down as I lost the match. I was ready for the cowboy. Boy, if you'd have tried a cowboy on me in my second wrestling match, oh, you'd have been in trouble. It'd have been over for you. A lot of times we think victory is about us getting some area of our life. We get this figured out. When I get that figured out, boy, everything's going to be okay. Some of you right now, you're thinking about some area of your life that you need victory in. And your mindset is, if I can just get victory over that area, I'll be fine. The problem with that mindset is, <laughs> tomorrow it's going to be another area. The devil's going to come with another tactic next week. We need to realize victory is through Jesus Christ. And we can have victory. I'm excited about our focus this year. Victory through Jesus Christ. That God who gives the victory. And you're here this morning, dear friend, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, you can have victory for your eternity. You can know the pardon and forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be reminded of the victory that you give us. Lord, we confess this morning that we struggle with fear. Many things that bring fear in our life. And Lord, oftentimes we respond with fear rather than faith. Lord, I pray this morning we would realize that you want to give us the victory. That you are our victory. Lord, right now, no doubt there's some thought in our mind, some aspect of our life that we're struggling in, some failure. Maybe it has to do with fear. Maybe it's something totally different. Lord, even now, we're concentrating on that thought, that struggle, that battle that we haven't won. Lord, help us not to focus on one issue. Help us not to spend too much time thinking about how we can get victory over one area. Lord, may we seek victory through you, through the word of God, for every aspect of life. May we trust you. Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that could honestly say that they're not ready. They don't know that they're ready to stand before a holy God.
they would say maybe in their own hearts as that Philippian jailer said out loud to Paul, preacher, I need to know what must I do to be saved. Lord, I pray today that they would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they would know the victory that comes through forgiveness of sins, the victory that comes through salvation, the victory that comes through knowing that we have a home in heaven secured by the blood shed by Christ on Calvary's tree, the death, the burial, and resurrection, the gospel. Lord, I pray that we would claim the victory you have for us. Lord, would you work in our hearts. Lord, help us to make the decisions that you place upon us this morning. May you be glorified. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Would you